I'm like a cow. I have like a second stomach for potatoes and bacon. <laughs> Welcome to the Greens Blues Fortuner Podcast. This episode, Zach declares his love for potatoes, I dream of imaginary toilets, and we talk through our experience on a pair of 13ers near Buena Vista, the Buffalo Peaks. So Zach, we're getting into some 13ers today, the Buffalo Peaks, but before we get into that, what's going on? I'm uh, well, Eric. My semester ended, and for me, that usually means a couple things. It means a day or two of rest to recover, and usually in every winter, I go hike in Oklahoma. Oh, that sounds interesting. You're going to have to clue us in on that. Well, most people probably do not associate Oklahoma with hiking, but it's the best I can do. I'm not lucky enough, as some of you are, to live in the... <laughs> in the great state of Colorado or New Mexico, uh, which is where I'd a lot of the time rather be. But yeah. I go to the Wichita National Wildlife Refuge and it actually butts up against Fort Sill. So which also acts as kind of like a wildlife refuge too. They okay. have just a range out there that animals are allowed to roam in. There's some hiking trails there. Most of it's actually reserved for just like free roaming bison herds. Oh, cool. So it's, it's reserved for the bison to kind of roam around and do their thing. But there's a couple hiking trails, and if you do it right, right, I guess being the way I do it, you can hike from, so I hike from one trailhead to another trailhead, and then I hike up a, this is this is podcasting, right? So I'm going to use air quotes, and you can't see them, but <laughs> a mountain, right? Uh, air quotes around that called Elk Mountain. Okay. I think there's like 400 feet of vertical elevation gain, which in Oklahoma's, go. that's big. That's yeah. big stuff. There you go. So I hike from one trailhead to the other trailhead. That's like a couple miles. Then I hike to the top of Elk Mountain. It's like a mile and a half, mile and three quarters. And try to go as fast as I can. So it's like it's like I'm training. Yeah. And then I come down and I do it all over again. So it's like seven and a half, eight miles. So that sounds pretty good. It's actually nice hiking. This time of yeah. year, it's beautiful. There's little waterfalls along the way. I invariably see wildlife. So on my hike two days ago, I saw a gigantic bull elk, a very large bull elk. I saw a couple cow elk. I saw a buck. This is all like in the first hour too. Like oh, wow. Tons of wildlife, lots of birdies. And then at the end of my hike, the aforementioned free roaming bison herd, there were five bison right next to the trail as I came oh back my gosh, to my car. That's really cool. Yeah, low free uh, bison are kind of numinous, freaky animals, yeah, and you don't want to um, mess with them. No, you don't. They're they can be irritable. Thankfully, Oklahoma is somewhat flat, and so I took a very wide berth around those guys. And yeah, so it was a, it was a lovely hike. There are good places to hike in Oklahoma. You just we don't have the public land that Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, Arizona have, but there's some good places here, and that's one of them. Did you have your kitty litter with you? Like, could you use that as a first line of defense in case anyone charged at you or anything like that? What, what, yeah. uh, when you're um, training and when you're <laughs> your bags of kitty litter that are duct tape up, you talked oh. about this during the 
I think the gear episode, we were yes. talking about our packs and you mentioned you, you test out your packs by throwing kitty litter in baggies and duct taping them up. And so I'm, I'm curious, is that part of your winter regimen too, or no? That is not. Uh, my general just overpacking is part of my regimen. <laughs> well, it's funny you mention it. And this is a story that we try not to be political here on the Greens and Blues podcast. So this is not an affront to my Second Amendment brethren and cistern, but I saw a dude. So this is a very Oklahoma moment, a dude that was hiking, very nice fellow. Mm. He came around the corner and I come around a corner and I kind of, he's coming up the trail and I'm going down a trail. And he had no less than two sidearms. He had uh, one of those shoulder contraptions that goes over your shoulder and it kind of you got Velcro that goes around your kind of above your waist mm-hmm. yep. and it yep. had a buck knife and at least four clips in it or four magazines in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was very well armed and mm. I guess he could have taken off. Actually, I don't think that actually would do much to a charging Buffalo, but, mm. um, or excuse me, bison <laughs> Buffalo or in Asia, but he looked like he could maybe put up a fight for me, I would just be hoping that that I could run faster. Um, yeah, yeah. I would not be ditching the kitty litter or anything at that point. <laughs> yeah. So, and a coda to this story, the guy with all the guns, apparently they were a little too heavy because he needed a ride back to his car because he couldn't finish the loop of his own bike. Um, oh, wow. So, okay. So I gave him a ride to his car and mm. he's a very nice fellow. He's actually military policeman. Nice dude, but. I think he got in a little over his head. Not too much going on, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Eric? So we're going to talk about a pair of peaks that you and I hiked earlier this summer, the Buffalo Peaks over by Buena Vista. I think it probably is a good call to work through some of the differences between 13ers and 14ers. One of the reasons we want to talk about the Buffalo Peaks today is to introduce 13ers. I've hiked... Mm. I think about 110 13ers and then another 30 something close to 40 14ers but 13ers are a little different ball game for those of you that have done them you kind of know what the game is 14ers in general in Colorado this day and age have either a very well defined trail to the top or very well defined route with mm. extensive route descriptions 13ers may and usually do lack that kind of root beta information. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the stuff that you do for a 14er, for a 13er, you're going to need to come ready with a root and you're going to need to know how you're going to navigate it. And you're going to need to probably be able to read a map, be able to read terrain. 14ers, like the easy 14ers that we did in the last episode, or a lot of 14ers, all the decisions have been made for you. The root is defined, you know, how to ascend and descend. You know, how you're going to come and go from that peak. 13ers, as our episode will show in a second, there's a little bit more latitude in how you navigate the landscape (laughs) and you get to make some calls. I think this is a good place to just talk about maturity and self-reflection and having a plan beforehand. But now with 13ers, you need to be a little bit more flexible and probably a little bit more aware, maybe a little bit more seasoned as a hiker, kind of know what you're doing. And you need to bring a few more things. You need to bring a map and you need to bring a compass or a good sense of direction. Also just kind of be prepared for the unknown and the 
whatever may happen and be ready for it. So I think this is a good place to just kind of talk about the Buffalo Peaks are, are easy 13ers, but they present some of the same challenges that a lot of other 13ers do that aren't necessarily technical. And sometimes what happens with 13ers is there are non-technical routes, but you make a mistake and you can't find your way to the non-technical portion of it. And so you end up doing some hand over hand or class three scrambling when maybe you didn't think you would need to. Yeah. And so you need to sometimes have that in your bag as well. Oh, that's a good call. I mean, it kind of gets to some earlier thoughts that we've shared in other episodes where just being prepared really is is critical. You and your dad especially have some of the experiences of where 14ers were 30, 40 years ago, where the route descriptions didn't exist. You, you know, we had... We might have had Jerry Roach, but other than that, there was no dot com. There was just kind of your own personal experience if you had that. And 13ers might be in kind of that realm right now. I mean, we do have the situation where there used to be a 13ers.com. And I think that all of that information moved over to 14ers.com. And it's just kind of a subset of that. But there are route descriptions for some 13ers, only some. And to your point, there's a lot of 13ers that really don't have any information at all out there. There are hikers who have done us a tremendous service and filed trip reports on 14ers.com where they've given some of them very detailed route descriptions. There's mm -hmm. a woman named Laura Clark or Wild Wanderer. She posts numerous pictures and kind of does a pretty thorough route description. Even with that, you may not come to these places in the same way they do or at the same yep. times and see them the same way they do. And without a trail, you're going to have to bushwhack and pick your way through the woods Sometimes there's no beta at all. Sometimes it's like, mm? or you think you can do better. And mm -hmm. I've done that a few times where I thought, you know, this route actually looks better. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. So I just know there are 14ers.com handles like super nihilist and people like that have great trip reports. And some people are just like, yeah, we just went up the Southeast Ridge and there we were. Um, mm. And that's all you got, yep. which is a lot like, some of the old guidebooks would be like, you know, go to the North Ridge and ascend. And it's like, thank you. Is there anything in my way? And in this case, what we're going to be talking about today with the Buffalo Peaks, Bill Middlebrook has actually included a route description on 14ers.com mm -hmm. that was, I would say, quite helpful, yeah, uh, perhaps with one minor exception. So, yeah, that's kind of what you need to do. 13ers require a little bit more research going in, I would say. Yeah, for sure. So what particularly drew us to the Buffalo Peaks, Zach? What was interesting about those that we wanted to give them a go? For me, I have a goal of hiking all the peaks in the 10 Mile and Mosquito Peaks uh, ranges, and actually the Lagaritas. I used to have a goal of doing all the ones in the Gore too, but that has slowly fallen short. But Buffalo Peaks are interesting. They are the very southern tip of the Mosquito Peaks. If you form a V between uh, where the bottom of the V would be Buena Vista and the right-hand side of the V would be Fair Play and the left-hand side of the top of the V would be like Leadville or the turnoff to Twin Lakes. Yeah. The middle of that V would be Buffalo Peaks, and they're in their own little wilderness area. They kind of stand alone at the southern end of the Mosquito Range. They're very prominent. You can see them from a variety of highways and a variety of angles. They boast, a, I think, a relatively large bighorn sheep herd, 
which we may or may not have seen. They're interesting looking peaks. They're kind of rounded domes. Mm. And so part of that's because they're volcanic peaks. And so they've been rounded by erosion. And you can see some evidence of that volcanism that we'll talk about in a minute. So yeah, they're they're aesthetically pleasing and not too terribly hard. And they've got a route that we could kind of follow and they got camping nearby. That that checked a lot of boxes for me. Why mm. why were you willing to be dragged along on this peak with me, Eric? What <laughs> what's wrong with you? That's well, you could could write a book maybe on that one. What's wrong with me? But uh I'm not gonna author that one. You know, no, the Buffalo Peaks, I know I've seen them off of the road on the way to Buena Vista. I've also had some conversations with other folks about them, just some folks that had a desire to hike them, uh, maybe not necessarily some of them even, but just be in that area and just kind of explore. And so that kind of intrigued me. And so when you mentioned you had an interest in the Buffalo Peaks, I said, yeah, let's give that a go. So, and once I looked a little bit further into some of the route descriptions and, you know, hey, it's kind of class two-ish, I thought, okay, well, it's kind of in our wheelhouse or my wheelhouse at least. And so my interest was peaked at that point. No pun intended, right? No, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a different spelling. It's P-I-Q-U. What's wrong with me? I didn't even catch the pun. So that's what's <laughs> wrong with me. And do we want to talk about getting there and what the dot com describes in terms of the road on the way to the trailhead and such? Yeah. So I guess as a preface to all this, there is a route description. So if you go and search for 13ers on 14ers.com, you can find either East Buffalo Peak or West Buffalo Peak. They both go under those names. And you can find a route description there that Bill Middlebrook has posted. And I will say in general, this was an excellent route description. You can hike the Buffalo Peaks from the north or the south. The 14ers.com description gives it from the north. You can attack the peaks from the south. They're doable from the south. When Eric and I summited these, we saw a way where you could come from essentially kind of the southwest part of the peaks and essentially ascend on grassy slopes. But we had a route description that, that seemed to work, and, and it actually did. So if you go to that route description on 14ers.com, you'll see that there are some nice driving directions there, which are very accurate. Sometimes mm -hmm. driving directions, I'm not sure when they hit the little trip thing on their car, <laughs> but this one was accurate to within probably a less than a 10th of a mile. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And the road in, what would you rate it on the Subi scale, my friend? Yeah, the Subi scale, I would might maybe give it like a three or something. It's I don't feel like it was that difficult in... Our Subaru Forester, it, actually, I don't remember it even being washed out at all or, or washboarded. It, it was pretty straightforward. I think most passenger cars could probably even get up there too. I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. I'd I'd give it a one or a two. I would gladly take my old Toyota Echo up that road. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the worst thing you have to worry about on that road is dust. If after mm -hmm. a rainstorm, it might get a little mucky because it looks like a bit of a clayish soil, but... Yeah, a very good road as far as roads go. So this I would rate very highly for people that are in passenger cars or yep. don't want to rough up their car and want to still do a 13er and have a little privacy in doing so. Another experience we got to have was camping. So mm. what are the camping options around there, Eric? Yeah, there's quite a few. We saw a number of people in their trailers. We we did the, the tent thing and there were plenty of spots along the road. It's a 
a pretty long road, several miles that you kind of go between 285 and the trailhead. So there's a number of spots to camp on the side. Even at the trailhead, there's there's a small parking area. You could probably throw a tent down there. I think we saw someone the day that we did that kind of parked like right in front of the trailhead. So they literally if, put their tent on the trail. On the trail, yeah. So I don't know if I go that far, but one thing about the parking area, I remember if you kind of go back into the woods a little bit from the parking area, I could have sworn someone built a toilet there. It was out of stone and it was just kind of built up, but there there was an actual toilet seat there. Am I making that up? Was, you, did we find that? This is a myth that you've peddled. I don't know. <laughs> I, I went, so we both had to go to the bathroom. You went your way and I went mine. And my... I did not go that direction. So I just, uh, I gotta, I gotta believe in you, my friend. I, yeah, you're not a fabricator. So <laughs> it, you described to me, it sounded like a toilet throne is yeah. what it sounded like. Maybe so, but yeah, there's lots and lots of places to camp along the road. For I don't sure. say lots, maybe a, a dozen. There is a designated national forest campground right about a mile in off of Forest Service 431. So if you want to take your family up there and have like a picnic table and all those stuff that mm -hmm. like a, a graded spot, you can do that. But if you want to drive back in on that road a mile or two, I think we drove maybe two or three miles in, found a perfectly good spot to put park both our cars, put a tent down. There's some open places where people have like taken RVs in there or campers. And there's kind of a maze of roads, so you can probably find something to camp on back there, depending on the time of year you go. I know we saw a fair amount of signs of elk around and, and deer, so you may have some visitors in the night. Some company. So what about the hike itself, Eric? Yeah, and I agree with you. The route description that Bill Middlebrook submitted is is really good. I'm curious to find out what the what the one minor disagreement is that you've got. Um, it's a big surprise, Eric. It's going to... I'm looking forward to it. I got a hot take on this one today. I, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the hot take. <laughs> but yeah, you, you start out kind of walking up this... It's an old road. It's an old road. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a glorified trail slash mini road, I guess is what it is for the first couple of miles, I would say. And so you gain a little bit of elevation there and you kind of eventually come to this clearing, so to speak. And... You're somewhat on your own after that. <laughs> That's kind of where the route description really gets helpful. And you kind of start getting into these willows and you can kind of start to see what the path should be. But to your earlier point, there's no trail after that. Once the road ends, you're a little bit on your own. Yeah. At the beginning there, you start on a road and the 14ers.com description has you kind of divert from the road to cut off a switchback essentially. And then you cut up this road and you walk along the road for a while there are some branches that go off the road but as long as you stay on kind of the main stem of it or what you perceive to be the main stem of it and have a generally southwest bearing you should be okay and then as eric said eventually you get up close to timberline and once you get close to timberline you're going to bash through some willows on something like a trail for a little bit. <laughs> and then eventually the trail just kind of dies in these willows. And at that point, what you need to be steering towards is the protruding Eastern Ridge off of East Buffalo Peak. And you don't want to get on that ridge too soon. You want to kind of 
aim for a low point on the ridge where East Buffalo Peak kind of comes right down and there's a low spot and then it kind of flattens out. And you want to be aiming for that low spot. And as you kind of work your way towards that eventually, and as you go up, you will break out of these willows and you'll start to see some cairns. Once you hit those cairns, you're in good shape. The, the route is rather intelligible, but the hard part is kind of bouncing along through these willows, just trying to find your best path. It's game trails. There's probably half those are made by people and the other half are made by elk and deer and sheep or goats. And so you just have to kind of find your way through it. But as long as you pick a spot on that ridge, which you can see, you should be in good shape. Yeah. And you mentioned the willows too. I think that's a good point to kind of bring up, at least for the 13ers I've done, willows seem to be kind of ubiquitous. Like you can't really get away from them. And that's a spot where there probably isn't necessarily a trail because they're, they're probably the main obstacle at that point. And people just kind of bushwhack through them and kind of make up their own path, which you kind of have to do at that point. So that's the Buffalo Peaks are no different. You kind of have to blaze your own trail through these willows. And eventually, like you said, you'll make your way to the ridge. As willows go, they're not that bad. No, um, these are pretty, pretty easy as, as compared to other ones that we've done. <laughs> yeah. I've seen worse as Rambo says. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But once you reach this ridge, once you work your way through these willows, I think you're in good shape. And mm -hmm. at that point, once you gain the ridge, you have a moment to kind of reflect, cool off, maybe have a quick snack. And then you begin your ascent of East Buffalo Peak. So there's no trail here. So you can mm -hmm. pick your route up East Buffalo Peak. The route that Eric and I took is, I'll humble brag here. I think it's the most <laughs> intelligent way to do it, which is to stay on the ridge proper and to essentially attack the ridge line. There may be a tendency in your head to think, I can go left and go around this stuff. Mm. But I think the general intention there should be, I'm going to go straight, straight up the gut. There's a kind of spot that's got some, some chalky cliffs, mm -hmm. not cliffs, yeah. chalky spot. It's like a little slight obstacle, maybe. Yeah, slight obstacle. And you can see where other people have gone, tried to go left around it. And they end up getting in a lot of scree and nastiness. Eric and I just went straight up through it. And I think that was the best way. The rock was more firm there. Footing was good. And it only lasted for about 10 feet. And once you're above it, you're home free. Going straight at it kind of provided the simplest, easiest route, I think, in the long run for us. And I think when we were at kind of the base of that ascent up the rock, to me, it looked steeper than it actually was. Like to me, I was thinking, oh, this is, is this really class two? This looks like a little, a little gnarlier than that, but it, it really wasn't. It, like you said, kind of go straight up, veered slightly to the left around this little rock obstacle that's there, but otherwise going straight up, it's really straightforward. The rock is good. And then at that point, these are gentle peaks. Yep. It's a fairly gentle slope to the top. Uh, one of the advantages of 13ers is you can't go as high. Um, <laughs> so get to the top of East Buffalo and you are delighted to find great views all around because of their prominence and because their relative isolation. There's not much to obstruct your views. And so you've got tremendous views all around from there. And then I don't think we lingered very long on East no, Buffalo. No, we didn't. We went off to West Buffalo pretty quickly from there. What would you say is the difficulty of traverse over to West Buffalo, Eric? 
overall, it wasn't terrible. It was still in the class two range. You really didn't have to put a lot of effort to get down east Buffalo Peak, nor did you have to do a whole lot to to get up west Buffalo Peak. I think it was actually kind of similar. You, you kind of just go straight up west Buffalo. There are little, little rock obstacles on the way where you got to kind of put your hands down and kind of get some leverage to get up the rock that's there. But otherwise, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. To your earlier points, it's these peaks are not super difficult to get up. They're class two pretty much the whole way above tree line. And uh, I don't think it was that difficult, the traverse. I don't know what you think. No, I quite enjoyed the traverse. It wasn't that hard. The thing I remember the most are some really cool little volcanic hoodoos mm-hmm, and yeah. rocks that are kind of sticking up and it you kind of look at them like, am I going to be able to make my way through there? But you can find your way, no problem through them. And I would say for the entire hike, the the wisdom should be stay on the ridge. Mm. If you try to drop down from there, you're just going to lose elevation, but you can stay on the ridge or within a few feet of the ridge pretty much all the way through. I remember there was a point where Eric wanted to pick another way. And I was like, I'm staying on, I'm staying on this thing. And you looked up at me and you're like, Dang, I should have followed you. So <laughs> how'd you get so far ahead of me? How'd you, how'd you get so far ahead? Well, I, I just stayed up here. So yeah, I would say in general, that's what you should do and take lots of pictures of the cool little hoodoos and things up there. Mm. The reascent or the next ascent up West Buffalo, I don't really recall it being all that hard at all. I was feeling pretty good that day, but but yeah, that was relatively easy too. And I think you just kind of stick to the ridge on that one. Yep. And then West Buffalo Peak is a nice flat top. It's a good place to stop and have a snack, take some pictures, look all around. You may be greeted with some some critters up there because there are <laughs> there is quite a bit of wildlife in the Buffalo Peaks wilderness. And yeah, just enjoy those views. To the west, you have the Sawatch. To the north, you have the entire 10-mile range and the Mosquito Peaks. To the east, you have South Park. And on a good day like we had, you could see Pikes Peak. And to the south, you can look down to the southern Swatch and northern Sangre de Cristo. So pretty cool views all around. Neat spot. Can be windy. Wasn't that windy when we were up there, but there's not much to stop the wind up there. So if it gets going, Mm -hmm. it's probably pretty good. Well, to your point, it, it was kind of centrally located and, you know, you and I had a nice day. So we were able to see, like you said, all around to lots of different ranges Lots of different peaks were around. It's just a really cool kind of perch to have kind of in the middle of its own little area there. So it was fun. Lots of good flat spots to sit too. Mm, So uh, go on a good day and enjoy some time on top of a mountain. And bring an aprium too. That's where I was introduced. Well, I had been eating them all summer, but they have these new Frankensteiner hybrid fruits now at... (laughs) My local sprouts, an aprium, I guess, is an apricot and a plum. Different than a plum cot, I guess, but rather delightful. Yeah, um, it was really good. Yeah. So, and then the fun begins. So, <laughs> yes, indeed. If you read the Bill Middlebrook description on 14ers.com, it has you descending on the west side or the kind of the northwest aspect of West Buffalo Peak. Mm-hmm. That is what we did. So we descended down that on lovely grassy slopes Mm -hmm. and great views. And then comes the hard part, which is you have to kind of find your way back to your original trail without losing too much altitude. That's where Eric and I, I don't think we made any mistakes because I don't know if it could have been done 
better. I did not find that to be an easy way to get back to where we, like a Beatles song says, get back to where we once belonged. Um, (laughs) We descended and then we proceeded to have this kind of Congress where Eric and I sat there and we're like, okay, do we go into the trees here? And you never Mm -hmm. know what the trees hold, right? Trees are kind of undulating or do we try to stay high and try to kind of meet our original trail at a higher point? And we decided for the latter may have been the right decision. So we kind of stayed high for a little bit. And for a little while, that was a fantastic decision. But eventually we kind of got onto a pretty, I would call it grotesque scree slope. (laughs) And we thought about traversing it on some game trails. And eventually we were like, let's descend this thing. So we ended up descending this scree ball bearing mess. It wasn't fun at all. And we descended that. And then we kind of cut across right above the edge of the timber mm-hmm. for quite a while. Meanwhile, at one point we hear some rumblings mm-hmm. while we're doing this and we look and we, at first we don't see anything. And then we spot a very large herd of something moving around probably about a hundred yards from us. It's like those eye exams, like the more your eyes focus, the more you see. And <laughs> there were more and more and more of these creatures kind of appearing in this kind of ether. It's a very sunny day. I don't, it's, there's nothing to like, there's no like fog or anything, but they kind of appeared out of this. And we ended up as we kind of skirted along timberline, we ended up kind of coming around a corner and spotting this giant herd of I keep saying something because we're still not sure if it was sheep or elk. And I, that sounds like I'm an idiot, but I'm really not. Or no, well, maybe I am. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. No, they were really well camouflaged with the rock. It's almost like they were the identical color of the rock. Other than these little white butts that you could kind of see scampering in front of us. That was that was it. And I remember taking a picture, actually knowing at the time that, hey, I might not be able to see what these animals are in the picture and lo and behold i can't i look at the picture you know every once in a while and i'm still like i don't know what these things were but they and were when the you exact took same that picture i was like there's like 15 or 20 of these things in there oh yeah they're like right in front of us you look at the picture and there's like i could see like one of them maybe they were maybe i'm going to say i think they were a herd of bighorn but mm. i really don't know so per- they're like ptarmigan yeah they were so yeah. perfectly camouflaged it was amazing we were kind of behind them, behind that herd for a while, and they were kind of scampering in front of us. And then they kind of climbed up kind of towards the saddle between east and west, and we kind of skirted below them, closer to tree line. And so we kind of passed them at one point, but still had no idea what they were because they were just so perfectly camouflaged by the same color as as the rock that was around us. So it was pretty crazy. That was fun. Um, yeah. yeah, from there... We continued to kind of stay along the edge of the forest, mm-hmm. which was rocky and kind of slow going, actually. So if you look at the mileage on 14years.com, I think it says it's 10 and three quarter miles if you do it round trip. But it's a longer 10 and three quarters because you're having to kind of pick your way through some rocks and boulders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing hard, just time consuming. And as you do this, you'll eventually work your way up 
to where you can see the, your original departure point for the saddle and you can get back to there. So we eventually found our way back to our original trail-ish or at least one of the cairns. But it took a while. The descent actually took longer than ascending both peaks. Sure felt like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were really having to pick our way through a lot of scree. Yeah. Which actually brings up my hot take for today, Eric. I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm just going to suggest if anyone is listening to this, I think you should just go and reascend East Buffalo. So I think the better way and the way that you don't create wear and tear on the landscape is to ascend East Buffalo, then take that lovely traverse across to West Buffalo, and then suck it up, Buttercup, and go reascend <laughs> East Buffalo. I'm telling you, you're going to save time on this. You think that making it into a loop is time-saving and maybe effort-saving, but I really don't think we saved a lot. I actually, I know we didn't save time. No, no, not at all. And I don't think we saved effort either. I think we ended up going down Scree sucks, and then we ended up having to reascend along Timberline, probably the same amount of elevation we would have if we had just reascended East Buffalo and we wouldn't have jacked with that poor herd of animals. So <laughs> my hot take for today is just go back the way you came. So this is my first exposure to this hot take. And I have to say I'm 100% aligned to that because just thinking back on walking along that scree field that it's it's just not fun at all. And so you were very good at route finding. You always have been. And so... That part of it was was easier for me because I was just following you for most of it. I, I kind of veered off, like you said, occasionally, but it's just there's no good route on going down that way. And even Middlebrook's description is to descend east into the forest without losing much elevation and then kind of work your way through back towards the original uh, clearing that we talked about where the willows kind of get a little heavier. And it, that's... You can certainly do that, but I'm always wary of going back into the forest. I'm always wary of losing elevation just to regain it again, just to lose it again to get back to the trailhead. So I fully agree. I, I think the best way to go is just to reascend east, go back down the way you came, and I think your life will be a whole lot easier that way. So I fully agree with you on that one. I, I remember we were side-hilling so much. That oh my gosh, yeah. I uh, On that terrible scree and... My left ankle. My left was leg like, was so so much stronger after that. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around like Popeye, you know. But yeah, I hopped in the car and I was like, my ankles are kind of swollen. <laughs> it's because that uh, we were side hilling a lot, and it was just on one side. Uh, I've seen other trip reports where they where they complete the loop as well, and I understand the yearning to make a loop. <laughs> and the desire to not reascend, but I think you end up using just as much effort and creating a lot more foolish erosion if you just avoid it. And it's not like reascending East Buffalo is all that hard. I remember when we did Oxford and Belford, I forget the one that you reascend there, but I remember being like, oh man, do I really have to do this today? But <laughs> I don't think it would have been that hard to reascend. So it's my uh, Peter Griffin what grinds my gears hot take <laughs> for the day. The other thing that I should mention before we take this baby home is once you've reached the trail and you're descending, you're, you're home free. Yeah. If you're like us who spent some time in the woods picking your way along, there's not a lot of water along this trail. Mm, good call. So 
if you're someone that likes to purify along the way or throw some tablets in a, into a water bottle or whatever, that may be hard. So I would recommend also packing just a little extra water on this particular trip. Cause I remember when we got to the bottom, I was, I was running a little low. I think I ran out. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great call. Hence the need for the potty in the parking lot. <laughs> and maybe that's why somebody <laughs> built the throne. Or maybe I made it up. Like you said, <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. So how would you rate this thing, Eric? What about difficulty on the YDS classification system? Hmm. Yeah. I agree with class two. Part of me wants to call it kind of low to moderate. And and the I guess the only reason I'm thinking moderate is because it, again, it looks tougher than it really is. I'm probably going to have to go with low because, yeah, the round trip, like you said, is kind of in the 10 mile range. It's class two above tree line. And a fair chunk of that is really just kind of finding the right way to go. Otherwise, you're just kind of walking aggressively up rock. And so you're kind of putting in some effort to to get up there. I don't know what Jerry Roach would say in terms of efficulty, but I think the effort is more than the difficulty. And even then it's not that much. So again, these are on the easier side of 13ers. And I think that it made it more attractive for me as we went along. I'm like, oh, this is this is doable. This is fun. This is glorified hiking, which I, for the most part, enjoy more than trying to actually climb. And it was a fun set of peaks. So difficulty, not super high. I have to agree. If there's a class two plus, this might be a class two minus. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Maybe we need to add that to the YDS. <laughs> yeah, it's two good. minus or, or one plus. This would yeah. be two minus for sure, but yeah, I like it. I'd say two minus. In terms of effort, you know, the hardest part is, yeah, you're you are moving up without the benefit of a trail. So what trails often do, especially if they're well-constructed trails, is they, they'll throw in a switchback. They'll find the most intelligent way to, to approach a ridge or whatever, but yeah. you don't have that here. So there are some sections where you just kind of go straight up. But as far as 13ers go, this is not as straight up as a lot of them can be. <laughs> yeah. In terms of brunt, I would say it's pretty low as well. You know, if 10 is maximum effort and zero is like sitting on the couch. I'd say this is a five. Yeah. So I think the super big return on investment here is it's just a beautiful area. And for people looking for kind of an introduction to a 13er or to the, what a 13er demands of you, I think this is a great introductory 13er peak or peaks. And you do have the possibility the 13ers provide of seeing a lot of wildlife, which was pretty cool. So I would say all in all as a package, low effort, high reward, which is yep. how I try to live my life. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And I think these definitely fit that. It's not terribly difficult to get up. It takes a little effort, but the the rewards, the return on investment is high. So I completely agree. So Zach, if the Buffalo Peaks were a song, I'm looking forward to this. What song would they be? They, and I'm glad you said they, Eric, not because it's a pronoun, but because it's two peaks. Mm -hmm. And the Foo Fighters put out an album called In Your Honor mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. And that album cover had two bison on the cover. 
or let's say to Buffalo on the cover. Ah, there you I think go. that's the plural of Buffalo is Buffalo. It had two Buffalo on the cover. So when I thought about these two peaks, I thought of that album cover. And for anyone that's heard that album, and it actually is a two-disc album. I thought it was a double album, yeah. It's double album. And the entire second disc is Dave Grohl acoustic. And he does a duet with like Nora Jones. And mm. it's fantastic stuff. My favorite stuff that he ever has done. And there is a delightful song. I think it's the third track on that second disc of In Your Honor called Miracle. I don't think the Buffalo Peaks are a miracle, but uh, the song is all about holding on to something that's beautiful. And I often think of that when I think of my my family, my mm. wife, my daughter, my mom, my dad. But in this case, it was just a beautiful day. And I was reminded of that from the cover art of that lovely album, but I don't know if we've ever played this game while we hike, Eric, but there's the, what are the five albums you'd have if you're stranded on a desert island? Mm, yeah. And that one might sneak in for me. I'm not sure, but I like um, it. So in my best Barbara Walters voice, if this was a song, Eric, <laughs> what kind of song would these peaks be? When we started considering songs for peaks, so I, of all the 14ers I've hiked, I'm, I've started a list of what song they would be. And for 13ers, there was one song that immediately came to mind for these peaks. And we've alluded to why that is already several times. So it would be a song by Fleetwood Mac, Go Your Own Way. So it has kind of a double meaning for me. So in one aspect, describes 13ers perfectly because you kind of have to go your own way <laughs> to some extent <laughs> even if there's a route description to your earlier points there's usually no trail so you kind of have to make up which way you're going to get up there but i guess for me on a personal level it also has a secondary meaning in and you mentioned it earlier there were a couple points on this hike where I kind of decided to try my own little variation on the path. You're like my Stevie Nicks. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just gotta, gotta spread your wings. My, my friend. And I did, uh, a couple times on this hike generally to negative results. Normally I would try to, especially on the, the scree slope coming back down, there was a couple of little variations I tried to take it to, you know, you would kind of continue to skirt along the edge there. And I kind of decided, you know, I'm going to go a little bit closer to the forest and see if that's a little more efficient. And so I would try that. And sure enough, you'd be, you know, 200 feet ahead of me by the time I raised my head and figured out what I was doing. So I'm like, okay, well, that was a mistake. <laughs> but yeah, for me, I think it describes more so just the hiking of 13ers in general and the need to kind of figure out how to blaze your own trail. And so for me, it's Fleetwood Mac's Go Your Own Way. And so many 13ers are Fleetwood Mac circa the Rumors album. <laughs> it's it's that dichotomy between greatness and pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. They were kind of walking that line, right? Mm -hmm, um, for sure. I love that pick. I love the guitar solo at the end by Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> um, one of the most underrated guitarists that are out there and, and mostly because they they kind of ended up getting a little poppier as 
time went on, but he had less of a chance to showcase how good of a guitar player he was, but he was fantastic. Yeah, there's other guitarists talk about him with mm -hmm. deep reverence. So love yep. that pick. And then finally, places to eat nearby. We ate at Otto's in Fairplay. What did you have at Otto's, Eric? Yeah, I had a Cuban sandwich. It was it was pretty good. You had a fried chicken sandwich. I think that's kind of their specialty. Is that right? I did. It was good. I would, if I'm to give food advice in addition to hiking advice, I think we both ordered a basket of fries. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. That was way too much. That was for two dudes. I know you're not supposed to carb load, whatever. Fine. I was loading up and I had my chicken sandwich and that was delish. And they had gluten-free bun, which mm -hmm. I love them for that. The pickles were tasty, but a basket of fries to go with that was a bit on the heavy side. It was like or, three baskets of fries for each yeah. of us. <laughs> a lot of taters. <laughs> and I, I will eat. I'm like a cow. I have like a second stomach for potatoes and bacon. <laughs> and even then I was like, I was tapping out. So if you go to Otto's, one basket of fries for every two people. Otto's was good. It was a little pricey, but you know, mm. it's in fair play and I'm sure they're seasonal business. So can't ding them too much on that. I got to give them some love, but as fried chicken goes, that's good fried chicken. Yeah. That was a good place. Literally on 285. Mm -hmm. You can't miss it. So it was straightforward to get there and yeah, good food, especially for a, a night before a pair of 13ers nearby. Yeah. I would love to remind our listeners about a way to get in contact with us, which is our email address greensandbluespodcast at gmail.com let us know your thoughts on this and every other episode we appreciate it thank you and we'll talk to you soon